Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. Matthew 9, later as Jesus and his disciples were eating dinner at Matthew's house, there were many notorious swindlers there as guests. The Pharisees were indignant and they said, why does your teacher associate with men like that? I like that. I'm, I'm noticing now that they're not talking to Jesus, but Jesus replies. Because people who are well don't need a doctor, it's the sick who do, was Jesus' reply. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of the verse, this verse of scripture. It's not your sacrifice and your gifts that I want. I want you to be merciful, for I have come to urge sinners, not the self-righteous, back to God. I, I have come to urge sinners, not the self-righteous, back to God. In this series, we are talking about how Jesus is a friend of sinners. He doesn't care about your perfection. He, I, I love the way that Rose said it. If you've sinned, that means you're God's priority. If you have sin in your life, that, that means you are number one in his. I, I love that we were here, and, and it's crazy. And I, I'm, I'm going to talk more about it, but last week I found myself blown away. Like, how is it that I've been serving God as long as I have? And you, it, you, there's this tendency to think that grace is a cheap message to preach. Like, uh, yeah, people know about grace, and I'm like, I need this message that's being preached. Just last week, I'm here, ready. I, I just... I love that we're in this series because like I said, grace, grace is weird, man. Grace is not something a human invented. Like it's not like God didn't go, oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to use it. Like grace is something God himself had to invent because I, I would not. I, I, could, I could do really good revenge and vengeance and eye for an eye. I'm down for that. But grace, forgiveness, I love that we're here, and I, what we're doing is we're, we're looking at case studies. We're looking at examples of Jesus being a friend to sinners. Last week, we looked at the woman with the issue of blood. Today, I want to look at uh, someone who may be an unlikely candidate, but Saul of Tarsus. We, we know him as Paul. Uh, just a quick heads up, he has two names. He's, he's weird like that. Like some of you guys, I was trying to think, like, who's an example so we can understand? No, <laughs> he has his hand up. You guys know Frank? You guys also know Nitty. He's both the same person. Like I could say Frank and Nitty within the same sentence. Saul and Paul is like that. It just flips back and forth. I, I say that because in the text he's referred to as Saul, but I'm probably going to call him Paul a couple times. Don't get confused. It's the same person. Uh, you guys with me? So let's look at Saul's first moment with Jesus. And so in Acts 9 it reads, in the meantime... Saul kept up his violent threats of murder against the followers of the Lord. He went to the high priest and asked for letters of introduction uh, to the synagogues of Damascus, in Damascus, so that if he should find there any followers of the way, he would be able to arrest them, both men and women. Hide your kids, hide your wife, he's arresting everybody. 
and bring them back to Jerusalem. As Saul was coming near the city of Damascus, suddenly a light from the sky flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? He asked. I am Jesus, whom you persecute, the voice said. But get up and go into the city where you will be told what you must do. So I, I want to take this moment to pray before we dive into today's message. Lord, I, I thank you that you have chosen me today. You have allowed me today to preach this message. And I just pray that we, not them, not me, we, we just, we just accept your grace. Nothing more, just that we understand, we can't understand, but that we just embrace what you do, your love, your mercy, that we embrace this. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, and amen, and amen. Uh, so... A lot of you guys are familiar with me by now. You know I'm a storyteller. A, a lot of those um, stories, you know, that I share about my life and my wacky life are, you know, how I'm, I'm maladroit. That's, that's my, like, uh, I learned that word the other day, so I'm just trying to use it. Like, they say if you keep using a word, like, it's just natural. Like, yo, I'm mad maladroit, bro. I'm mad maladroit. Maladroit is just like I'm clumsy. Like, uh, I break stuff. I don't do good. Why are you guys nodding? I see people nodding. I'm, bye. Like, no. So, so I'm, yeah, right? So, I mean, that leads to funny things. So, oftentimes, I'm sharing this. I share that because I do stuff like I pray for dead mice. Like, that's me. Obviously, I'm going to share that. But I'm, I'm good at stuff, too. I do stuff well. I'm good at school, right? So, like, I have a 3.6 GPA. Yes, yes. Uh, thank you. Um, I feel like more of you. Uh, there was a lot of people nodding that I'm clumsy. Not a people. There we go. There we go. I have a 3.6 GPA. I, I, I managed to maintain a B average last semester, and I took 18 credits. And I will never stop saying I took 18 credits last semester because that's my, like, that's, like, that's hard, okay? Um, I, I managed to keep a B average. Um, uh, if you keep an average higher than 3.5, you're on something called the Dean's List, which is pretty cool. Um, I'm shooting for a 4.0 this semester. And my trick, here, here's my trick. Here's how I'm going to get that way. I'm not going to take 18 credits ever again. <laughs> it's just, that's, I was doing great until I did that. I had eight averages. Um, but that's college because, like, I actually care. See, in high school, like, I actually did so bad in high school that in college, I had to take the classes to take classes. I don't know. Is there anybody in college? Remedial? Hey? No? Am I alone? Like, before I, had to, I could take math, I had to take pre-math. Like, I had to take this class called Academic Life Skills, which is, like, like how to be good at school. That's literally, it was like, what's your four-year plan? Like, what you going to do if we let you in? Because we want to know your transcripts. I graduated the week of graduation. This was me. Not because I wasn't good at school. I was, but see, in high school, I didn't care. And so my gift was my curse. Like, I knew that I could miss school Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, show up Friday. 
get the, in English class, we did vocabulary tests, right? I could get the words like 15 minutes before, memorize them, and get 100 or a 90, which, I mean, a 90 or a 100, it's the same thing to me. Um, <laughs> so I knew. So if I, if I don't have to be there Monday through Thursday, why would I, right? Like, history class was easy because I was good at school, but I also figured if it's history, I can just Google it, so I would. Um, I actually, in history class, I got, like, the highest score. Not only the highest score, but, like, I had, like, high 90s on a test, and everybody else had, like, 60 or failed. And then someone had the nerve to be like, nah, you was cheating. You copied off of us. And I was like, but then I would have failed, too. Like, <laughs> what? Like, what are you? In high school, I was not Reuben. Now people would call me. People would call me, oh, you're Reuben. You're the one they keep calling. Like, I was the original Ferris Bueller. He, he took a day off. I took a, a semester off. Like, this is me in high school because I really just didn't care. And then I got out of high school, and then this guy, Jesus, revealed himself to my life, and I became a Christian. And when you become a Christian, there's this thing called purpose that you learn about, and so you actually want to do stuff good. And so, like, I had, try, I had tried to do stuff good after years of not doing, like, trying at all. And... <clears throat> There's this thing called failure. I don't know if you've ever experienced it. I don't like it. I still don't. I've just gotten used to it. But it gets a little deep now. This is very personal for me. When you live a life where you just don't care and you're okay with good enough, and then, like, you actually try at stuff. Like, I remember calling Pastor Rolando, like, like, he's going to disown me when I tell him what I just did. Like, he's, he's, forget, like, you're not my church member anymore. Like, you're not my brother anymore. Like, this is, like, when you experience failure after years of not caring about failure, failure had left such a bitter taste in my mouth, and I would try so hard. I would volunteer at the church, and I would mess up little things, and that would kill me. I would fall into sin, and it would kill me. Because I'd never tried at anything. Bro, you can't cry because then I'm going to cry. <laughs> or just quiet, cry quietly. <laughs> but I live this life that I'm like, oh, wait, like, this is what it feels like to actually try to be good and be bad. And I'm maladroit, so I wasn't good at a lot. But failure to this day is still this thing that I, I, I hate it. I, I still have to, like, submit myself to God and say, like, no, 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 you're in control. And, and that's why grace, that's why this series that we're in is so important. Because grace, when you fail, what you want is shame. You, you want, you want self-loathing. You want, like, God, I'm not good enough. Walk away from me. But grace says, no, you're still good enough. And that's why I want to look at Saul, because Saul repeats Jesus' message. See, Jesus in Matthew said, for I have come to urge not the self-righteous, I have come to urge sinners back to God. And Paul, Saul, I told you I was going to do it, Saul repeats the message, but he adds something. He says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Can we, can we put the next slide? Uh, he came to save sinners. I am the worst of them. Like Paul says, I'm the worst of the sinners. 
So who better to look at, right, than the life of this man, what's great is we know the ending of Saul's life. So that's what's, that's what's extra special because we get to see not just Saul's life when he met Jesus and a little bit before it. We get to see the whole work of Saul as a follower of Jesus. And I'm looking at this. And I don't know if you know Paul. We're going to talk about what he would go on to do. But I'm like, the worst? You're the worst? And, and the person that you become, so let, without further ado, let's, let's, let's go into scripture. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recap what's happening here really quickly. As Pastor Rose said, spoiler alert, man. Like, <laughs> as Pastor Rose said, Saul was okay, more than okay, with the killing and persecution of people who followed Jesus. Like while Stephen was being stoned, Saul is taking care of the stuff and belongings. He's like, it's okay, it's okay, I got your stuff, I got your stuff, go stone him, here's a stone. Like, this is where Saul is in his life. And he's actually, at this point where we've picked up, he's gotten letters of introduction. This guy started a GoFundMe from the high priest, and the high priest is supporting his mission to go arrest people who follow Jesus. See, Paul was a, follow, a devout follower of God, but not Jesus. He saw Jesus as not the Messiah, as actually an issue to the faith of Judaism. And so he wanted to kill anybody who was following the way of Christ. And this is where he'd be pick up. Literally, he's on the road, and as we read, as Saul was coming near to the city of Damascus, suddenly a light from the sky flashed. Who are you, Lord, he asked. I am Jesus whom you persecute, but, but get up and go into the city where you will be told what you must do. And then Saul gets up and he, he, he opens his eyes, but he, he can't see a thing. He's blind now. But I don't, I don't want to talk about his blindness just yet. I want to talk about Jesus showing up because I think it's pretty crazy because see, here, here's what you may not know. Jesus is already in heaven. Like, the cro this is after the cross. Like, G Jesus is, not, but not only that, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But he's being, he's just said it. Like, Paul's persecuting Jesus. Paul's persecuting Jesus. He's killing people that believe in Jesus. And Jesus is already in heaven. Like, let's, let's look at the scope of this. Jesus done died on the cross, done said, it is finished. He, he showed up to his disciples. He ate with them. He gave the great commission. He ascended to heaven. He said, a helper is going to come, right? And, and the Holy Spirit already came. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit descends upon the people. And I, I, I don't know about you, but if Holy Spirit is descending upon people, I think Holy Spirit's there. Jesus, you don't need to appear anymore. And yet, he appears to Paul like the lengths that Jesus is going to appear to this person who's killing his followers who's persecuting Jesus himself like Jesus like you were just in heaven and I, I'm pretty sure that if like if I was Jesus and I went back to heaven I'm doing the two-step I'm cha-cha sliding like I'm partying with the angels like I'm assuming he's seated right back at the right hand of God like he's chilling he's partying he goes BRB I have to go show up to Paul but, but, but that's the thing. That's the thing about Jesus. See, even though Paul was pursuing Jesus out of persecution, Jesus was pursuing Paul out of his passion. 
He said, you're, you're looking for my followers, but I'm going to give you myself. I'm not going to just give you myself. I'm going to give you all of me. See, Jesus has this plan that we're going to look at, and Jesus is setting something up, and he's, he's up to something, and he's got some things in motion, and he's moving pieces like a chess piece just to get to Paul. And the reason why is that Jesus passionately pursues us. Jesus passionately pursues us. He doesn't lukewarmly pursue us. He doesn't drag his feet. He passionately, in the midst of being persecuted by someone, appears to them. So he saw Paul as a prize, even though Paul saw Jesus as the problem. I want us to know, Christ Uncensored, that no matter how far you have run, no matter how far you have failed, you may have made Jesus an enemy, but he still sees you as a friend. You may have seen Jesus as an obstacle, but he still sees you as an opportunity. That's not just Reuben's theology. That's not just my. Let's look at the scripture. See, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Luke 19. He did not give up because of the cross. On the contrary, because of the joy waiting for him, he thought nothing of the disgrace of dying on the cross. That's Hebrews 12. This is my my personal favorite. We were God's enemies, but God made us his friends through the death of his son. That's Romans 5. Fun fact, Paul wrote Romans. I love that we're in the midst of Paul killing Christians, Paul being an enemy of God, and we get to look forward and see that Paul would one day write, we were enemies, but he made us his friends. And through one encounter, because of Jesus' passionate pursuit, now Paul is still going to Damascus. His journey hasn't changed, but now he's going to the same place with a different purpose. And that's the power of Jesus. See, originally, he's headed to Damascus with instructions to persecute Jesus, but now he's headed to Damascus to get instructions, more instructions from Jesus. See, see, you can find yourself in the same place you were headed, but now you've got a different purpose. You can be around the same people that you used to be with, but now you've got a different purpose. See, before you were there to get high, before you were there to get drunk, before you were there to be up to no good, before maybe some of you, you were there to kill someone. But now you're there to give life. Now you're there not to get high, but get someone high off of Jesus. Not not, not to pass a blunt, but to pass the word of God and say, hey, you you were going into darkness for for darkness, but now you're going in there as light. That's the power of Jesus. Jesus is passionate about Paul. And it's because of his love for us. It's because of what he wants us. Because he wants us. But one of my favorite sayings is that Jesus doesn't save us from something. He saves us for. He saves us for something. He he doesn't just save Paul from his his ways, from his, his murderous ways, from his threats. He saves Paul for something. And as we continue in Jesus' plan and we watch Jesus move the pieces, he appears to this guy named Ananias who's a believer, who's a follower, and uh, he, he's like, hey, yo, 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 Annie. And he's like, yo, what up, God? And he's like, hey, listen, there's this dude, Paul, and I need you to show up to him. I already gave him the vision of what you're going to do, 
Real quick, pause. Paul is blind. Jesus gives Paul a vision of what's going to happen. I just think it's cool how even though we're blind, Jesus can still give us vision. I'm I'm gonna leave that there. I just think that it's really awesome that when we don't know which way is up, when we can't see, Paul literally had to be led by the hand, and that when we're being led by the hand, Jesus can still give us vision. Can we give God some praise that no matter how dark it is, when we can't see, he gives us his vision. I'd rather have no vision plus God's vision than my vision and not God's. But I'm going to leave that there. That's another message for another day. That's just a little, a little son. So he goes to Ananias. He's like, you got to go to him. And Ananias is like, uh, rightfully so, Ananias is like, you, you know who the guy you're talking about is? His voice gets high-pitched just like that too. He's like, you want, you want me to? You want me? At first he was like, yes, yes, father, yes. And then Jesus is like, I, I need you to go to Paul. He's like, Paul? Like, this is what Ananias says. Ananias answered, Lord, many people have told me about this man, about all the terrible things he has done to your people. He's trying to get Jesus, like, yo, it's your people. Uh, and he has come to Damascus with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who worship you. The Lord said to him, Go, because I have chosen him. I could just stop there. Go, because I've chosen him. To serve me, to make my name known to Gentiles. Gentiles, we could replace that with us because we're Gentiles. Gentiles is anybody who was not a Jew. That's us, unless somebody here is Jewish. (laughs) If you are, then you you could pause here. (laughs) To make my name known to Gentiles and kings. And to the people of Israel. My bad, if you are Jewish, this is for you too. And to the people of Israel. So, so essentially, I've chosen this guy who's killing Christians, the followers of Jesus, to make my name known to the world. What's great is that Ananias' response, the very next verse is that, it says, so Ananias went. Because what do you say to that? See, Paul was originally going there with the authority from the high priest, but Jesus says, no, no, Ananias. He's going there with my authority now. Same place, different purpose. Same place, different backer. Same place, different support. See, see, and Ananias recognized Jesus as the only authority. So, so even though you may feel like you're still that person who did those terrible things when you're under God's authority, you're a different person. And so people who know God have to acknowledge that. If I know God, it doesn't matter what your past was because I know you're operating under a different authority. You guys can give God praise. If it's just me, you can stop. But if it's for God, you can make some noise. But beyond that, when I look at this, I see that Jesus is giving the reasons for why he showed up, why he's going to these great lengths. Because he chose Paul. And what blows my mind is that Ananias is a better person. Like, if I'm choosing who's going to do that, I'm going to pick Ananias. He's the father, like Paul would later describe Ananias as a great believer, as a great man of God. 
So if I have to decide between Ananias and Paul, I choose, Paul, uh, I choose Ananias, but God chooses Paul. And the reason that I believe that is because God knew Paul's purpose. See, the word says that before we were in our mother's room, he knew us. So he had already chosen Paul. And so in the midst of our failure, Jesus still sees our future. Paul was predestined to deliver the message of the gospel. Even while he was persecuting people, delivering the message of the gospel, Jesus didn't see him as a persecutor. He saw him as a preacher. So in the midst of our failures, no matter how far you think you've run from God, no matter how far you think you've gone, you may think you're below rock bottom. You may be here today like I'm looking at rock bottom like it's up. But God still sees who you are. God knows the mountains that you're going to conquer in his name. No matter how far you have fallen, no matter how much you have failed, this is the guy who is the self-proclaimed worst of sinners. He's got a mug somewhere that says world's worst sinner or world's best sinner. I don't know the semantics. But one of those, like this is that guy. And Jesus says, I've chosen him. I've chosen him while he's persecuting you, while he's on his way to kill you. I've chosen him to not kill, but to bring life. And you don't understand, I still don't understand, because this is the guy, I get to know the end to this story. He Paul is response like you. Here's the scope of what Paul would go on to do. He would go on to found, find, found churches. He would go on to defend people to Peter who was a disciple of Jesus. Peter was rebuking people and Paul was rebuking Peter for rebuking people. But this is what Paul would go on to do. He would go on to write such a large portion of the New Testament. But right now, he was on his way to kill Christians, and Jesus didn't care. Jesus knew his purpose. Jesus knew his future. Like, like, like I can't stress enough that this exchange happens after the cross. Because, see, if it was before the cross, it's like, oh, Jesus is going to die for that. But Jesus already died for Paul. Paul was rejecting the work, like the work of the cross was actually Paul's issue, and Jesus had already died for that. Like Jesus died before Paul was going to fail. And the midst of Paul's failure, I, I want to get this right. Jesus chose us. Jesus chose Paul before he could ever fail. He chose Paul even after he failed. And he chose Paul on his way to failure. He showed up. That's grace. That's the reckless love of God. That's Jesus. You want to talk about reckless? How about choosing the person who's killing your followers? That's a mic, that, that's a mic drop. And Ananias just goes. And, we, and we, we, we pick up there. So Ananias went, entered the house where Saul was, and placed his hands on him. Brother Saul, the, the Lord has sent me himself. Uh, the Lord has sent me. Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, 
He sent me so that you might see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At once, something like fish scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he was able to see again. He stood up and was baptized. Let's, let's break down this picture. Paul is waiting for Ananias. And Jesus, Jesus gives him this vision while Paul is waiting for Ananias. And Ananias says, I'm here so that you can see again and to be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? This is where we are. And I know that Ananias and Paul are in the center stage right now, but I want you guys to know that Jesus is behind the scenes orchestrating this, that this is all Jesus at work. Jesus chose Ananias for a reason. See, I believe that Ananias had a specific reason for being chosen. I also believe that it's interesting that Ananias doesn't show up again in the Bible. And I know that he goes on to be an amazing believer. But I think it's worth mentioning that Ananias' mention in the Bible is igniting Paul. And that sometimes our highlight is giving life to someone's lifetime of highlight. Like, you're all fans of Michael Jordan, most people probably, but I'm a fan of Dennis Rodman because I can't shoot, that's one, but also because he was the greatest rebounder. And what are you doing? How is Jordan making shots if someone's not rebounding the ones that Jordan misses? I don't even watch basketball. I just, I just watch Dennis Rodman. But, but what, if, what if your highlight is someone's lifetime? That's not the message. That's a moment. I just had to say that. Like, Ananias is chosen, and I believe that he's chosen for a reason because of his obedience, but also because of his name. <clears throat> See, Ananias is the Greek form of Hananiah. For those of you who, who will know the implications of this and how amazing this is, I don't have time to preach on it again this, this, this encounter is so, such, so filled with so much. If I had a day, I would. But it means Hananiah. Hananiah also happens to be one, one of the names, the Hebrew names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach. Shadrach's original name is Hananiah. And if you know that story, isn't that like Han, Ananias is pretty close to being burned right now. <laughs> but Hananiah, what's great about Hananiah is that it means Yahweh is gracious which means God is gracious, which means that Ananias, Ananias is there to be a picture of the grace of God. No, 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 wait, wait just one second. See, here's the thing, I don't know if you remember, but Paul is blind. Like, I have to play, like, with Jesus' mindset. Like, like what's Jesus' plan? Like, I have to, I have to put some, 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 some interpretations here. See, I believe that Jesus blinded him. 
so that the only thing he would see when he saw was Ananias. See, because I, I feel like Jesus was saying, I don't want you to be tempted to look back on your way to Damascus. I don't want you to see things how you used to see them. I don't want you to go into Damascus with old vision. What I want to be the first thing that you see after your encounter with me is my grace. The reason why this series is so important is because this series is on grace and I believe that Jesus' ultimate goal, that Jesus desires us to know his grace. Jesus desires, like that's what changes us. Not the law. Paul was a student of the law. He was a Pharisee. He knew the law. He devoted his life to Yahweh, but he never met Jesus. Like, you don't understand, you don't understand. Like, Paul, in the next three verses, he spends some time with the disciples, and then immediately he's preaching that Jesus, check this out, Jesus never once tells Paul that I'm the son of God. And yet he's preaching in the next few verses, not in the next few verses, in the next few weeks, in the next few days, actually, that Jesus is the son of God. He was on his way to kill people for saying those very words. He has to leave because people start coming after him. This, this becomes the man that would say things like, love is gracious, love is kind, love is patient. For, for the, to, to die is Christ, uh, but to live is, uh, to live is gain, but to die is Christ. That if I live, I get to be more about Jesus. But if I die, I get to be with Jesus. And, but Paul didn't go through a five-step program. Paul didn't learn uh, the, 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 the whole gospel. Paul just met Jesus. And then Paul just saw grace. See, he knew the law, but he didn't know grace. What would it be like if the first thing we saw when we opened our eyes was the grace of God? Not, not our spouses. Not, not, our, not our phones. Not all the problems we have. Not, not what we have to do today. Not, oh, this bill just came my way. Not, oh, I just got this ticket. Oh, now I'm struggling with this today. No, no, no. What we saw was his grace. Christ uncensored, what kind of church would we be if the first thing we saw is grace? Because when Paul filtered the grace of God through his life, he lived a life that becomes the template for what it means to be a reflection of Jesus. I still don't get it. I don't. I don't. I, I, I think we need to keep talking about it because I don't get the grace of God. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Why? Paul. And I, I don't think Paul got it. Like, I, I think Paul understood that he didn't get it because he says, I'm, I am 
the worst of sinners, even after becoming a follower of Jesus. He doesn't ever say, I was. I looked at the translations. It's all present tense. I am the worst of sinners, which to me tells me that Paul's probably still wrestling with it because he knows what he did. Like real quick, let's back up. Could you imagine Paul between the, the road, the encounter with Jesus and on the way, he's given his life to God. The very thing that he thought was doing, which was right, was wrong. Could you imagine only knowing the law and being blinded by Jesus after he tells you, no, I'm God. I can, I can imagine. And to me, if I'm Paul, I'm saying like, this is it. This is what I deserve. Have you ever failed? Been like, I deserve whatever happens next. I deserve this. We, we get into this trap of self-loathing. It actually says that he didn't eat for three days or drink. And it doesn't say he was fasting. Maybe he was, but I think if you just met Jesus, if you just got knocked down off of a horse and then he blinded you and all you know is, is the law, you're pretty apprehensive. You're thinking this is going to be me for the rest of my life. How could I have been doing this? How could I have been? I watched Stephen be killed. This is what I deserve, God. And then he gets this vision of Ananias coming to him. And then Ananias shows up. And he encounters grace. That's why I think Paul says I'm the worst. Because I look at Paul and I go, no, Paul, I'm the worst. You can't be the worst because you rejected God because you didn't know Jesus. But I've known Jesus and I've rejected God. Can I, can I be transparent? See, see a, a lot of my testimony is that I became an atheist. And at Nia College, I guess like a lot of, like, ooh, like to Christians, you were an atheist is big. But to me, that's not my testimony. That's not like, like I didn't know better. I was bound to become atheist. Like my testimony, for me, what gets me when I look at God is that when I knew God, when I knew Jesus, I failed him. And he still loved me. Like, I dropped the ball. Like, you don't understand, guys. I have felt Holy Spirit convicting me like I had never felt it before. I felt Holy Spirit say, leave. I felt Holy Spirit say, no good is going to come out of this. I felt it. Don't clap for me because I rejected it. I said, no. I don't want to feel this. I'm going to do this. I want to do it. I know better. And I knew Jesus. And I said, I don't want you right now. I don't know if you've been there. I don't know if you felt like the worst of sinners. <sighs> but I look at Paul and say, no, I'm the worst, Paul. But we, me and Paul, you and me, we say that because that's how uncomprehensible God's grace is. Because I look at God's grace and I say, I don't deserve it. I don't want it. I deserve your punishment. I deserve your wrath. I know what I've done. I've heard what people said, but I knew you and I failed you. I've known you and I failed you. What's crazy is, not just the same day of this moment, not hours later, minutes Minutes, I went to God ashamed. Minutes later, 
You know what God didn't say? Well, yeah, Reuben, you're a screw-up. Yeah, Reuben, you're a failure. I want no part of you. You know what he didn't say? I can't believe you. I can't stand you. My cross isn't good enough. My cross isn't enough. Not this sin. Not this time. What he said was, is, I still love you. I still want you. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to bring you out of this. You're going to be back better than ever. His grace was enough. I think we fall into the trap of thinking like there's this verse in the Bible that says where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Pastor Roe preached it last week. It runs laps around sin. And I think as communicators, we think, oh, we can't say that too much because then people are going to think, oh, I can go sin whatever I want. But what's crazy is knowing that somehow, knowing that even in my sin, God's grace is enough is the very thing that keeps me from sin. I used to think that grace is what enabled me to get back up. But I learned that grace is what keeps us from failing in the first place. That when I say, oh, I'm not going to sin today. I'm going to pray 15 times. Oh, I've locked this up. Oh, I figured it out. I'm not going to sin. Come at me, devil. <sighs> That's when I fall the hardest. But when I say, God, I'm weak. God, I know that I want to sin. Like, I want to sin. I desire it. Like, it's my flesh, God. Help me. Love me. I know that if a friend shared this story with me one time, that in the midst of him in temptation, he felt God say, you can go ahead and do it, and I'll still love you. And it was that word that enabled him to walk out. It was that word that enabled him to flee from sin. It was that word that brought him to God. It's that word that transformed a murderer. It's that word that trans transformed a murderer of Jesus into a mouthpiece for Jesus. Paul writes a huge portion of the New Testament sets up a community of churches, churches. We call him the Apostle Paul because he was a pastor of pastors. Paul suffers for Jesus. Paul lives his life for Jesus. It's because of Paul that we have so many great scriptures that, that, that touch us and that we use. And this man was ready to arrest them. That is the grace of God. And that's not just for Paul. That's not just for me. That's not just for Pastor Rowe. That's not just for the leaders at Christ Uncensored. That's for the world. See, what Paul goes on to say in Timothy is that I was the worst. I'm, I'm the worst of sinners, but Christ chose me so that I might be an example of his patience, so that I might be an example of his love, of his grace. Because when I look at Paul and say, if Paul can be that, surely there's got to be hope for me. There's grace for Paul, there's grace for me, and there's grace for you. All you've got to do is grab onto it. All you've got to do is take hold of it. And I've been tussling with this. I didn't know if I was going to do this. If you're new here, I've never done an altar call before, so I'm new too. I strongly believe, like, God's 
grace is incomprehensible. And the more that I have learned about his grace, the more that I have learned that I can't understand it. There, there are stories, there are testimonies of a man's daughter being murdered. And that man goes to her, visit the murderer in prison. And through that man, the prisoner, the murderer, encounters God. We've played it here. There's a video of a man, a preacher. He says, this guy right here is my right hand. He's, I, I don't go anywhere without him. He's there for me. He's by my side. Several years ago, this man killed my child. And I was connected. I could have had him killed. I could have had him taken care of. But God told me, no, preach grace. Preach the gospel. And he's here today. This is not human stuff. This is the grace of God, and I don't know where you are. I don't know if you're doubting. I don't know if you feel like you're at rock bottom. I don't know if you feel like a failure. I don't know if you feel like you can't use God. I don't know if you feel like you don't want God. But what I know is that God wants you, no matter how much you've screwed up, no matter how much you don't want any part of him, he wants all of you. He wants everything. So what I'm going to do today, prayer counselors, if you can come up here. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.